Welcome to HTB Stories, a podcast brought to you by Hack the Box. Today's episode features ZeroXDF on talking about creating Hack the Box machines. Want to participate live and ask your own questions? Join our Discord at discord.gg slash hackthebox. And now, on to the AMA. Hello, all. Uh, how are you? Greetings from Hack the Box. I'm Soti, aka Red Runner. I'm the senior manager of community, and very nice to have you. And yes, we are back again with the AMEAs, guys. Yes, we are starting, and we're very happy about it. Um, and today we have an amazing guest with us, um, David. I'm going to introduce him soon. I want uh, first to, to, guys, thank you very much, first of all, for understanding why it took us so long to kickstart the NEAs again. You have been rather busy, but we are going to promise that we have at least one NEA per month. So you can leave always your comments about amazing um, new NEAs uh, that we are going to have uh, down in the video. Uh, also, um, we are very happy to announce that uh, we just released yesterday the UNICTF. So everyone who is registered in the university or you know someone who's in the university, just make sure to tell them to join the UNICTF. is huge, really huge, 20k UK pounds um, prizes with a huge amazing trophy, even better than the business ETF and cash prizes and swag and Amazon gift cards and PayPal hoodies and uh, yeah, it's going to be lit. And let's start and introduce our amazing guest that I'm very honored to have with us. Hello, David. How are you? Nice. Very good. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very happy. I'm very excited. We are kickstarting AMEAs again and we couldn't be more thrilled and honored to have you here for the first thing again. Uh, thank you for accepting our um, our invitation. Actually, it was your idea to do this in order to help the community build better machines for them. So kudos for always being there first for the community. Thank you very much. And do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, so my name is uh, David. I go by OXDF on the internet. Um, I am a training lab architect at Hack the Box, um, I've, which means I do all sorts of things, create content when I can for uh, weekly machines and or CTFs we're putting on, um, some automations and things to try to help things move smoothly. Um, and more recently for the last uh, several months, I've been the one leading the group who puts together the weekly machine, You know, from the time weekly machines get submitted to the time they go live on the platform, making sure we put them through the process, have quality control, et cetera. Um, so uh, before before I joined Hack the Box in January this year, before that, I had about 15 years working in various technical or inf information security roles. Um, I've done some SOC, a little CERT, um, Hunt, some blue team, some red team, a little bit of threat intel, a little bit of research, um, both in the public and private sector here in the US. Um, and then outside of that, you know, I'm a kind of a CTF addict. So it makes sense that I came to work here. Um, you know, I've got a blog. Uh, many of you probably are aware of um, OXDX, OXDF hack stuff um, on GitLab. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so excited to be here. That's amazing. And we have to say that also you released, um, it was released just yesterday, an amazing uh, blog post written by you and Ipsec about how to create amazing vulnerable machines for the community, how you will learn from them and what you get back um, as knowledge, I believe our team can link it in the 
in the YouTube chat and we can kickstart with the AMEAs. Um, so before we start, I have to say that when I learned that OSDF is joining the company, I was like fangirling like uh, no tomorrow. And when we had to do uh, like um, a very professional, um, how professional we can be, but the, uh, a very professional meeting, I was like, I'm going to be the XDF, I cannot believe it. Ah, oh, <laughs> it's huge. So I was very, I hope I don't say something silly and things like that. So, but you're always so modest and you reply always to everything. I don't know how you make time. So, Kudos, David, for everything you do. Sure. And let's start with the um, um So, first question is, what inspired you to start making this content? Oh, man. Um, so, I I found Hack the Box probably in late 2017. And um, to be completely honest, when I started doing it, I couldn't solve much. Um, I had a lot of experience working in information security, but I like didn't have hands-on exploiting things, hands-on pen testing skills. And so I really learned a lot of that stuff doing Hack the Box. And after doing it for six months, I started to notice um, vulnerabilities that I thought were cool that I learned about at work in some of my more defensive roles or um, by, on the internet. And, oh, like, I haven't seen a box about that. We should have one. And it kind of inspired me to say, you know, oh, here's a chance to give back to the community. And here's a chance to build something. And and, and I'm going to learn, you know, you learn so much in the process. You know, I, um, I still remember when I made my first box, um, SecNotes, um, I didn't really know PHP, but I wanted to make a website. And so I spent three <laughs> months um, of doing, I started with like a PHP Hello World website because that was, you know, what, and I, but by the end of it, I was actually, I mean, I'm not, no one's going to hire me as a PHP dev, but uh, I, I built a website that was kind of cool and it did its little thing and it had a vulnerability tucked in it. So um Anyway, it's all just, it was a cool chance to give back. It's super exciting to see your name and your, your handle show up on the Hack the Box website. Um, so uh, that, that was, for me, that was it. some combination of you, you wanting to learn more and wanting to give back and showcase some cool stuff. And I will answer to this question, a personal question of mine. What made you create this blog, this blog that everyone watches <laughs> and everyone waits for? Because I remember that are so detailed I had uh, at my pen testing days, I had links of your write-ups. So what made you create this blog? So that's funny. There's a couple things. Um, one, there, there's two really. One was I, I'm an, I am an obsessive note taker. Um, if I don't write things down, I don't remember them. Um, and so I always was writing, take, every time I solved a box, um, before I found Hack the Box, I was doing um, Over the Wire or you know, um, Sans mm -hmm. Holiday Hack. I mean, there's other CTFs I've been doing too. And, I have a lot of extensive notes on those too. And I've just been doing kind of text files and things. And I thought um, it'd be cool to put it somewhere else. And what would that look like? Um, and the other thing was, this is, you know, back in the day before GitHub had free um, private accounts and free GitHub pages, um, GitLab did. And um, I thought it'd be pretty cool to learn the CICD side of things. Um, I'd seen, I'd heard a lot about, CI, you know, continuous integration, continuous development, um, this was again a couple of years ago, two three years ago. It wasn't. It was something I was starting to hear about at work, but I'd never had hands on, and I wanted to play with it. And so I thought, oh, this is a cool chance to take my obsessive notes and put them onto something that I can practice. You know, this CI CD stuff because that's that's how that's how the site builds. Um, and and then I never really thought anyone would actually read it. I always thought that was kind of just if anyone else ever stumbled upon it that that was a, and it was valuable to people. That that's super cool. 
Um, I just didn't expect it would actually happen. Um, and then when people message me and tell me they, they, oh, you helped me pass my, this exam or that thing, you know, it just makes my day. So I, it's, that's really a pretty cool. Okay. It's nice that you give back and you put all this effort. So, uh, let's go to the next question. Um, how the submission process works. Yeah. So, um, you know, we'll talk, we'll talk a lot today, I'm sure about like making a box, but like once you make a box, you know, so you've, you've take it and you submit it to the hack the box website. Um, we typically, you answer a bunch of questions about what you want the box to be named and the difficulty and things like that, uh, as well as you provide us a link to a write-up and a link to the VM. Um, so the first thing that happens is that your write-up goes to a group that was called the release committee. Um, there's seven of us on there. Um, and we will review the write-up and say, you know, does look at it for how good a fit is this for Hack the Box? Do we think it'd be a good, is, is, is it showcasing things we want to showcase? Is it, is it realistic? Does it fit on our platform? Um, if the release committee approves it, um, then it moves to another queue where um, then when it gets closer to release time or the time where we're going to need to put the next box up on the board, um, the board, we talk about the unreleased board, if, um, but, you know, Right now, I think there's three boxes that are scheduled for release, the next three. Um, so if we wanted to put another one up there, we say, okay, um, what difficulty do we need? What OS are we trying to showcase? Um, what vulnerabilities aren't too similar than the ones we've just done? And we'll go to that queue of ones that have been approved by release committee and pull it out. And that's where it goes into our testing process. So that's where we actually start working on the VM. Um, and I'll, I'm sure I'll talk more about that. But once the testers go through it and approve it, um, then it can put on the unreleased board for release. And then in, you know, to some number, whenever the release day is, it actually goes live and players get to play it. Um, mm -hmm. so. And how does it work? Like, how do you decide if you have four uh, boxes in front of you, how do you decide which box goes first? You know, it's not, it's kind of, it's, it's an art more than it is a science. Um, we try not to, you know, we, Obviously, the people who've been waiting the longest have some. There's certainly some weight to that because it, it's very. It can be very frustrating to wait a long time, um, but it's not as simple as just taking the first box in. Um, you know, we try to keep a, at least a, is it, where we can. We try to keep a variety of OSs on the platform, so you know that can play a role. Um, but also, just if the vulnerability, you know, we try, and I'm not going to say we've never failed, but we try to keep the vulnerabilities kind of different. So we've had four or five very web-heavy boxes in a row, and then we have an opportunity to do a non-web box that might move it up the queue a little bit, um, you know, things like that. Okay. And I think you almost replied it, but how long does it take to submit a box and then to be live on the platform? So usually we try to, we try to get the release committee reviews of write-ups done in, we aim for two weeks. Sometimes it can be longer than that because all seven of us have other jobs and are very busy, but um, in general, we try to get those done pretty quickly. Um, and if, if we aren't going to accept you a box and you know, we try to get feedback to the authors very quickly there, um, we've, we've certainly done worse than two weeks in the past. We're trying to get better at that. Um, but then there's a, the real challenge is that we put out one weekly machine a week. It's weekly. Um, so, you know, if you submitted a medium Linux box today, um, there's probably on the order of 14 or 15 approved medium Linux, you know, medium boxes that are already approved. And so, you know, it could, if we put out, you know, if we go one of each difficulty a month, it could be a whole year before we get to, you know, 14 down the road. Um, on the other hand, if you put out an, if you put in an insane box today or in a hard box, I, I'd have to look at the queue to see exactly what's there. But, you know, I think the hard queue has one or two boxes sitting in it. 
Um, now, I think they've been sitting there for a while, but we just haven't gotten any approved in a while. So it really mm -hmm. depends on what we need and what, what we've been receiving from the community. Okay, so it's not like a, a first come, first served. It is about the needs and the state of the box and the vulnerabilities that we want to expose and it's more complicated. Okay. Yeah, and, and the difficulty, the difficulty really drives it um, yeah. because we do try, and like, we're, again, there's certainly exceptions, but we try to sort of stay on a, com a cycle of, you know, one of each difficulty at a time. Sometimes we skip insane because in we don't get as many insanes and that they can be a lot, um, but yeah. Okay. And what are your criteria to accept a machine? Yeah, so there's so there's really two things that come down, two big points for what makes a like good machine that we get really excited mm -hmm. about. Um, the first one is, are you teaching? You know, the players as the players play the box, are they going to learn things they haven't seen before? Are they going to have fun doing it? Um, you know, we try to really focus on vulnerabilities that. We haven't showcased too much before. That's not to say we wouldn't show something twice, but you know, newer stuff, stuff we haven't seen before is certainly better. Um, and stuff that's like fun to do, um, stuff that is, um, you know, there's things where you might have to, people often say like, oh, it's a good enumeration skill to have lots of directory brute forcing and lots of like really obscure word lists you have to use mm -hmm. there. Um, but the fact is that a player who knows how to run GoBuster um, yeah, maybe they have to like learn, teaching them to use another word list. Like that's not really a fun skill and they just waste a lot of time and they don't like act, they don't walk away having learned something. They just spend a lot of time and don't learn something. Right. So, you know, they're using GoBuster or FarrowBuster to on a web directory certainly has, can be beneficial, but like we try to keep the not fun stuff to a minimum, um, and really help people to, you know, power people learning. Um, the second thing we really look for is. Um, I'm going to say realism. I don't know if that's quite the right word, but we try, and again, with varying levels, um, we try to make the boxes on Hack the Box seem like those kinds of things you might run into in a pen test. And so okay. that means like one thing I always like to encourage people to do is like when you make a box, think about who the fictional like user of that box is. Um, we get really unexcited if you just sort of slam three tech vulnerable technologies together and say, here's a box. Because it's, it, yeah, sure, it is exploitable, but like none of it feels like you're actually exploiting somebody's computer. It just feels like three vulnerable technologies slammed together. Um, whereas, you know, if you look at some of the boxes that have been most successful in Hack the Box, they have, you can really tell, oh, this, this box belongs to a user who's doing this, and I've exploited all the different things that user's doing across their day-to-day -day life. Um, so that kind of realism is really an important thing for us as well. Okay. I like that also, but it's not, I think, I think everyone will hate me now in the chat, but it's not always bad to be a little bit CTF, like to see something out of the box sometimes, to be a little bit more different, right? For sure. And that's, you know, yeah. it's always a balance. You know, we, we try to look at each box as a whole and think, are people going to learn stuff? Are people going to have fun? Are people going to feel like they're doing something real? Now, again, there certainly are going to be times where like things aren't quite realistic and we're still going to put it out because it's the learning is so good, for example. Um, but I'm just, it's, at least when you say like what makes a great hack the box machine, you know, if you can really go to the extra mile to, um, you know, the example I gave in the blog post was I, I talked about when I made RE, um, ah. it was supposed to be a malware engineer's box. Right. And so 
you know, you he had a SMB Dropbox that he asked his employees, his coworkers to submit samples to, and he had some PowerShell pipelines that moved, did some automated analysis and moved them around. And yeah. he ran Ghidra that happened to be vulnerable, but it was, you know, each, each thing all fit into his life. And then it just so happened that every step was also vulnerable to something that you could come along and hack. That's very nice. I remember this book. I remember also the comments. Um, so yeah, I, I could not more totally agree, but let me see what also the comments they say about what they said now. Um, okay. Ah, no, they didn't chat about it. So I think they agree. Uh, so. Uh, which are unique points that HDB looks in a vulnerable machine, but I think you already covered it with the previous, um, with the previous question about uniqueness, realism, uh, to be something that you would see in your everyday life, to have new ex exploits and things like that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, this one. I saw someone that uh, posted that their box got rejected from HDB. What content of a uh, box HTTP would you like to accept? I don't want to waste time and effort to put into creating a box. So what do you have to say to that? So, so there's a couple of things to that. Um, it's, I will say it's not uncommon, um, especially first time authors that you will get back a rejection like from us on, you know, with feedback. Um, we try to give really good feedback about why, you know, what, what types of things didn't fit or why it wasn't. Um, sometimes that's really hard. Like if I have a box that I know is gonna release a month from now that shares the exact same vulnerability as you, I can't tell you that right now, um, but where we can, we try to get really specific feedback as to what could be done to make it a better fit for the platform. Um, but beyond that, I just want to say it's certainly not a waste. Um, you know, even if you make a box and it doesn't get published, I, I would hope it's not a waste for you um, because you can learn so much from building a box. And even if it doesn't get published on the platform, um, you're going to have more skills and be better off than you were when you started. So. Um, just because it wasn't a good fit for our platform doesn't mean, hopefully, that it was a waste of your time. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. To be honest, I have tried to create something uh, in my previous work here for something else. And you always learn something from it. It's not about getting accepted. It's about accept yourself to make mistakes and move to the next step. I don't know. I've I've got two boxes actually that I started and got 70-ish, 70, 80% done with, and then eventually decided it wasn't going to work out and I didn't like where it was going. And, you know, both of those, I, I probably sunk, I mean, probably, this was back when I was doing it in my free time, but, you know, I probably sunk 40 to 60 hours into each of those. Um, but I, I, I still certainly learned a ton doing those. Um, so I wouldn't call it a waste. Okay. So... What method, what, what's your methodology when you're making boxes? So, when yeah, you keep notes, but other than that. <laughs> that's my methodology when solving boxes. Um, the first thing for me is, you know, really when I keep an eye out for the types of vulnerabilities that I want to include. Um, so that could be, you know, what, what I'm seeing in the news as far as the hot CVEs that are going around or, or just more like uh, classes of vulnerabilities. Um, Again, this is a long time ago, but when I made um, when I made sec notes, I was really excited about um, cross site or uh, server uh, cross site request forgeries, yeah. and I really hadn't seen any on the platform. And I thought I, <clears throat> I can put this into place. I want to make one of those. Um, so it's it starts with coming up with what are the ideas you want to put together, and and then okay, if you want to show cross site request forgeries. How okay, what's my theme going to be? Because then I, the next thing I want to do is come up with a theme. You know, oh okay, this is going to be a notes application, and it's going to have a um, SMB share 
that is used for that they're using for the that has access to the new website that's in development and you know, whatever it is or oh this one's going to be a reverse engineer and here's the here's how the vulnerabilities fit together um so really the, the, the before i even sit down and start opening any touching a computer um it's all about like kind of coming up with the list of vulnerabilities and how they're going to fit together in the story and the plot all of that um then you can start to sit down and build it, right? So it's what's the OS? You know, install VirtualBox. Um, if you don't, you know, I use VirtualBox because I'm too cheap to buy VMware. Um, but you know, that kind of stuff and move forward from there. But really, coming up with the story and the vulnerabilities is the first part. Okay, and uh, I have to say because you mentioned SecNotes, SecNotes is one of the my most beloved boxes of yours. I have to say, uh, it, it's also because it was back in the days. It was also um, uh, when I was. Um, doing pen testing and uh, when I was like learning and stuff and I remember that our uh, manager at the time when we were not in an assignment or we had like to we rush maybe to to finish everything in order to then to to go down and see sec notes and I remember what you said like it was very unique the, the, the vulnerabilities you included and the machine you made and we were all mesmerized so that is a very nice thing to, to add something that you have not seen not let's say in the past 10 or 20 releases. It's it's very nice. Um, Another question that I have for methodology and for the storyline. Do you see that your feelings sometimes get into the boxes? Sometimes when you, do not, you feel more moody, it's more of a dark theme. When you're more hyped, you create something else. For example, for Valentine's, we had love talk, but okay, McLaren created it and it was a, an alternation of humans talk. But, this kind of things. Do you see that your mood changes the storyline? Um, honestly, probably not. For me, I I tend to do it over such a long period. Of, I, I've never I've never been really good at like sitting down and like cranking out a box very quickly. I usually like yes, you have I never will, been really good at it. We yes, we see that. Yes, I I will like collect vulnerabilities over the course of six months and then like start to put them together into what you know. I've got. A couple of lists going right now of like, oh, this, these these kind of group together and these kind of group together and you know this would be a good medium box or this would be a good insane box and if I ever fill it up I'll actually make it. Um, but I guess I do it over such a long period of time for me that like my mood will be, my mood's not changes so much in the middle. It's probably not okay. impacting it. I can imagine you having a wall like um, like those uh, geniuses or when you stalk people that are like chaining yes exactly and have string lines okay i will see these with these and things like that yeah. we should have a, a wall like that okay uh so next one how did you create harder and harder challenges and what are your inspirations to do so um that's it's an interesting you know it's an interesting question like a lot of it comes down to just keeping up with um the, keeping up with the different vulnerabilities and what's going on out there um i will say a comment on this is like you know, said the question says harder and harder. Um, I I don't tend to be driven by I'm going to start. Oh, I need an I need to make a hard box. What should I fill it with? Um, difficulty is almost the type of thing I would try to think about at the end or once it all fits together. What does you know making sure it's all roughly on the same level? Um, it does raise a question. A lot of people always talk about you know trying to make like oh the hardest box and the hard you know as hard as you can. I mean, hard is always not necessarily good, right? Um, the hardest box possible would be just, you know, put the vanilla OS there and put it out for us and make us, you know, guess the password or, brute, you know, brute force SSH, right? But no one's going to learn anything and it's going to take weeks to go through and it's not fun. Um, I always say that the two hardest difficulties to make are 
insane and easy. Um, and insane is really hard because you want to making something that will teach the the like the most elite out there that are playing hack the box. You want you're going to teach them something and have them have an interesting time and have fun um, while not like being boring and wasting. You know, you don't want to just you can make it really hard by having just tons of extra go bustering, but like that doesn't make it, that makes it, that, that doesn't add anything. Right. Um, so coming up with those kinds of things is really challenging. And then easy is the other one I say is hard because making a good box that will help like newcomers on the platform learn something and doesn't like completely bore the really, the real experts um, is also a challenge. Right. So um, I would say those are the two hardest to work on. Um, but you know, certainly okay. done. I like, it's very interesting what you said, that the hardest things to make are the insane and these boxes. Makes sense that why. Um, so maybe some of our lead players, because I think I saw previously XCT here, if they want to speak about uh, their insane boxes um, uh, solves and their impressions, uh, please leave it in the comments. Um, so let's go to the next one. Uh, how long does it usually take you to create a good, no guessy, hard to insane machine? Yeah, I mean, again, it kind of comes down to I will often spend months collecting the ideas and putting together the picture. Um, once I oh, actually months, yeah. yeah, sure. I mean, just collect again, thinking about what are the vulnerabilities going to be, and because you finding ones that fit together nicely. Um, once you actually sit down to start writing it. Um, it depends a little bit. It depends on how much custom stuff you're going to put into it. Um, if, if you know, I was able to make uh, Script Kitty really quickly and just a few, once I had the idea in like three days, because I had to write a small, I think it was a, I think it was a Python Flask website, but other and a few little Bash crons. But other than that, it was like a pretty, you know, it was putting together public vulnerabilities and it was pretty straightforward. Um, whereas like Sec Notes, I mean, it wasn't. It's not a hard or insane box, but like. I learned PHP. So, I mean, I I don't know if that counts towards the box. I don't know if I get to build that towards the box time, but like I spent weeks just like learning how to make a PHP website and how to make a login and how to connect it to MySQL. And I'd never done any of that. And so um, I read a lot of tutorials and I use that as an excuse to learn. And so it can take a lot longer. Um, so it really comes down to like how much custom code you're going to write for it. Okay. That's interesting. That's interesting because from what I from what you say now, in order you in order to create all those machines, you have researched and you have become a little bit of a developer of a little bit of almost every single language. Not every single language, but you understand. I mean, yeah. to me, one of the cool things about creating boxes is you can use it to give. You know, I didn't have an excuse to use PHP in my my, my daily life, but. Oh, here I've got a you know here I've got a good excuse. I want to make something, so like I'm gonna go. It's a good excuse to make myself learn that technology. Um, when I got to making uh, Script Kitty, I had never made Python websites before, and I'd always kind of heard about Flask, but I wanted to do it. And so I, you know, that one was I'm I'm pretty good at Python, so that one came pretty quickly. But like, um, you know, it's just it's a good excuse to push yourself to learn something new. Okay, nice. And how do you balance difficulty for medium hard challenges and topics with binary exploitation and crypto? And we have another question um, that we can merge it with this one, but um, how do you create vulnerable binaries? Um, so what's your answer to that? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, topics, binary exploitation is one of those things that is kind of, it's kind of an advanced thing. To, there is no like, there is no easy binary exploitation, right? I mean. There is relative to other binary exploitation, but like 
if you can do any, it's hard. You got to know assembly. You got to kind of know how to step through. You got to know a lot of really technical things. Um, and so in general, we kind of tend not to put those on easy boxes. I think there have been a couple really straightforward ones, but for the most part, it's a medium plus type thing. Um, but for anything, I mean, again, you can make you can make it as hard or as easy as you want it to be. Is it's kind of up to your creativity. Um, you know, you have to. This is where the more if the more you can learn about the, you know where the pressure points are. You know where what to do to make it hard. Um, you know, in general, we don't do a ton of binary exploitation and crypto stuff on boxes. We try a lot of times that makes a lot more sense for a challenge. Um, yes, yeah. and we have challenges on our website too. They're specific to that um, because a lot of times they don't quite fit into our realism, but. Yeah. We, we do accept them. We try not to do too many, but we do accept them as well. Um, and you, again, it's all about, do, are the people going to learn something? Is there kind of an interesting skill here to take away from it? Um, so, okay. But yes, it, it, you do have to really balance it across the difficulties for sure. Okay. And I have to say that we have some new amazing recruits in our challenge selection team um, that are going to create uh, amazing machine, amazing challenges. They're going to help also with the challenges that are released on the platform. I believe not enough people pay attention or like give love to the challenge section, and we really uh, and we really love this category as well. We do not neglect it. We have one uh, release every Friday, and I encourage everyone to go check them out. Uh, the team over there is doing amazing work. Yeah. So. I know this is this AMA is more yeah. box creation, but I've made a few challenges as well. And there's some really, you can do some really interesting stuff on a challenge that doesn't really fit on a box. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of my my stuff is more a chance to showcase some of my um, defensive history. So um, there's at least two, at least three fishing docks that are up there, you know, my passion. Um, and then, you know, a forensic challenge I made where you get to go into a docker and try to find all the persistence in this Linux docker mm -hmm. and remove it. And then once you do, you get a flag and, um, so, but you can do some interesting stuff that maybe doesn't fit on a box neatly um, in a challenge. So there's good stuff to check out for sure. Yeah, I totally agree. And in order to, to stay a little bit in this area of creating boxes, what is harder, make an interesting and memorable foothold or prevesc? What do you focus? Right now, if you ask me, the um, prevesc is, is a bit harder um, because... For the, I mean, making unique privesques can, privesques can be really challenging, especially on Linux. You know, we see a lot of sudo something or, you know, a, sewage, a binary that's set run as root, you know, sewage. Um, and then, you know, it, you kind of see like the same couple things over and over again. And that's not to say it can't be done well. It certainly does. But, you know, coming up with a really creative privesque can be really challenging. Um, we've seen go, you know. Here's a tip: If you're doing hack the box, um, if you get when you get your low priv shell, go check the database. Go check how the website connects to the database and see if that password is reused as the next user because it's not. It, it just often is, and that's um, so coming up with kind of unique things there is is um, you know real challenging versus footholds. You can have all you know yeah. a website can do anything, or you can do non-web stuff. You know, there's all sorts of interesting stuff out there that doesn't get explored. Um, as yeah. much. I love non-web stuff when we get it. So for Hoodhub, yes. And it's it's uh, it's a little bit uh, rare. Um, so it's very nice. That can make a hack the box very unique in order to get submitted maybe easier, I think. So let's go to the next question. 
Uh, do you think that the PRIV-ESC should have a logical link with the foothold or is fine to have completely unrelated topics between these two? So they, cer so they certainly don't have to be, um, you know, don't have to be completely coupled together. Um, it's certainly cool when they are, it can be cool when they are. What it really, to me, the biggest thing would be, does it fit on the box, right? Does it make sense that this user, again, this fictional user who doesn't exist, but whoever's box this is, like, does it make sense that they're running it? Um, an example of like what I don't love is when I see, if I exploit a website that has, you know, some uh, content management system that is run using MySQL as the database, and then I get on, and the next step is to connect to the Mongo database that's there and not being used for anything, but except for to give me, you know, something credentials for the next user. Um, like that just doesn't make sense to me. Why is why is Mongo running here when the database, you know, it, it doesn't fit. Um, <laughs> there's some, been some really cool examples where people managed to have, I love it if, if you can exploit a website and then, or exploit something and then come back and exploit it again from a different angle to get another piece of privilege. That's super cool. Oh, yeah. um, but it certainly doesn't have to be, it just, it has to make sense, right? Um, again, I'll go back to RE. Um, the first, the first few, the first few steps you print, you escalate through, um, mm -hmm. this malware pipeline where he's accepting samples. And then the next step is completely unrelated to that in the sense it, you exploit his Ghidra because he was running a vulnerable version of Ghidra. Um, okay. Those two things are not like at all related, except for they fit because they're all malware related and they all they make sense that this user was doing that. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, I think it makes total sense. And you gave also a very nice example uh, with Reen. And so uh, let's go to the next question. How do you establish the difficulty of a box submitting it? Uh, do you have a group of people you ask to evaluate them or do you do it based on your own experience? So, you know, as the the author, um, I would take a shot based on what I, you know, what I, what I know of the platform, how many boxes I've solved and try to just make it, make my best guess. Um, but, but the good news is it's really not on you. We will, you know, you're welcome to take a shot and say, I think this is a medium box or I think this is a hard box. Um, but we will look at it both when the release committee looks at the write-up, it's very common for us to say, they submitted this as medium, but we think it's actually hard, or they submitted it as hard and we think it's easy or what, you know, whatever it is. Um, and we typically will flag that for our testers because it's hard. It's always hard to tell for sure from a write-up, but then we can send those comments when the, when the testers actually pick up the box and start working on it. Um, they will, at the end of their testing, they are each asked independently to say what difficulty they think it is. And we, they're, you know, because we do this, professionally every day, we have a pretty good feel for where it fits. Now, that's not going to say we're not going to miss sometimes. Um, you know, in fact, nothing makes me sadder, honestly, than when I see people giving boxes bad ratings just because they don't fit, you know, oh, I love this box, but it was rated medium and I thought it should have been hard. So I gave it one star and I go, oh man, that poor author, like just because <laughs> rated it, they get a bad rating. Um, but, you know, so we, we certainly have missed, but it's not, it's an art, it's not a science, it's hard. Um, but we, we, we do take, we do try really hard to get it right. Um, and so if, if, if you submit something as one difficulty and we think it's something different, we'll certainly come back to you and let you know. And, um, you know, typically nice. if, if you want to argue with us that no, no, it really should be that thing, we can have a conversation, um, but, you know, we'll figure it out. And you will have a conversation the whole uh, release committee. Um, I mean, typically one, one of us will reach out to the author and talk to them and um, say, you know, hey, our team, our team agrees that this, we think this is really a medium box and we'd like to release it as that. Are you okay with that? Um, and I've never actually had an author say no, but um, mm -hmm. if they did, we could 
we'd have to talk it through and see if we can come to an agreement. You know, uh, if we were really on the fence in between two things, you know, we could go with our, we, we, would, we would communicate with you and try to figure out, make something we're all happy. Okay. I can imagine you like be the whole release committee in a round table and the author, like it's, uh, I don't know, it, it reminds something from a movie. Um, <laughs> So, have you ever encountered any zero-day exploits while making a machine? <laughs> um, I, I have not. Um, okay. I, uh, that's not something that I, I often like. When I build machines, I actually like to build custom applications more than using like publicly known stuff. And so it makes it less likely that I'm going to run into that kind of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. I certainly know of authors who have. Um, I hope you won't mind me saying this. I know like uh, one of our other employees, Po Miao, um, actually got some CVEs yeah. um, because oh, yeah. he was developing, I believe it was the Love Box, um, and he was using this voting software. And there was a public vulnerability, but he, well, he, well, he was building the box. He found other vulnerabilities. They actually submitted to the company and got CVEs for it. So um, it okay. certainly can happen. Um, you know, and another, I mean, going back several years when um, the donkeys were the most were the dominant team yeah. playing. You know. Guys like Decoder, who would come and show us uh, potato exploits before they were really big in the information security community, um, he was demoing them in Hack the Box to try to show people that they should be worried about that kind of stuff. So okay. um, that was kind of cool. But um, I believe not also Alamot uh, has done something. I don't remember exactly what. I think it's something. I don't remember if it's on Windows or PHP. I don't remember which one. And shout out to Donkey's team. Uh, I saw them now that I went to Romhack because we had the CTF there and we went also to meet the community and I get to see again Decoder and Yintao. Uh, so cheers to all of you guys. And so let's go to the next one. Can a box be developed with more than one intended way or should they have only um, So typically... Typically, the box is going to have, most people submit with one intended path. Um, I, I would, I don't see any reason why we couldn't take a box with multiple intended paths, as long as, as long as the two, uh, two intended paths were roughly the same difficulty. Um, but it, really, uh, yeah, we could be open for that. I think that'd be kind of fun. Um, we've certainly had boxes. I don't know whether they were intended or not, but, you know, I think of a box like Helpline, which was, which I love, was a great box. Um, yeah. I remember my blog post for that one. I actually had to start out with this diagram that I made that showed the steps you could go and there was completely divergent steps and I actually I think I made two blog posts one to solve it using windows going completely one path and one to solve it where you actually got system first and then work backwards because all the flags were encrypted um, and then the other way was the I think was the other way I solved really? Linux and went through the different steps um, I'm guessing that that was not I'm guessing that the system way was not intended but it was fun I learned a ton at the end of the day it's all about learning right and so um, I'm not opposed to there being more things. What we wouldn't want to do, though, is like have a box that was hard. Everything about it was hard difficulty, except for that one point where you could choose an easy step or a hard step, and it just like allowed you to shortcut things. So that, yeah. that's, that's what we try to avoid. Okay, I get what your point, and it's very fair. Um, um, I think if, if you don't mind, one more thing I'll say. Yeah, um, of course. You know, unintended solutions are are one of those things that um, people talk a lot about, and. I actually don't think unintended solutions are necessarily bad in, unless they really shortcut something, right? If, if, if you're allowed to go straight from beginning to printing root flags, you know, if you can get root and user in five minutes with an unintended solution on an insane box, yeah, like that's bad. Um, but if you find something that's unintended, um, we've had a couple recently, uh, Stacked was a great one. I won't go into the details about why, because it's still live, but 
we had the root, the final root step was really hard. And um, the, you know, in talking to the author on that one, he, people have come to him with all sorts of different ways. They found completely different things to exploit and they're all super creative and they're all super interesting. And like the more of that stuff people can find, it's just like, you're, you're learning more. That's the whole point, right? Like we're here to learn and have fun. So um, I, I think in general, that stuff is really great. Okay. Um, uh, I couldn't agree more also. It's nice that it, it's not if the author makes it with two paths or not, like you said, to make a shortcut or to have an one, another one, but it's nice also to see an intended path because you can see how creative a person can be or that the possibilities are endless in hacking. It's the true meaning is to hack your way around, right? It's not to just hack it. Yeah. And both... <laughs> I, I will tell you, as a box author, both of my both RE and Sec Notes had unintended paths. That, um, as an author, I was crushed. I was really disappointed because it's like <laughs> the thing you like spent all this time trying to shape people down, and people go right around it. Um, but at the end of the day, I also learned really valuable things from that. Um, people got um, Sec Notes. The un, you know, the unintended path was a second second order SQL injection, um, and I remember. I still remember. I can vividly remember sitting on my in laws' couch writing the PHP and thinking, oh, I don't need to use a statement here because it's coming from the database, which is like, in hindsight, duh, that's exactly what second order SQL injection is. Um, but like, people loved it. People had a lot of fun doing that second order SQL injection. Um, so, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's all about teaching people and having fun, so. Yeah. And how do you find out how to call your machines? Our name. Oh man, this is not, I've always been like the worst at like giving names to projects and things. Um, but really, I mean, this is something where uh, nothing offensive, nothing mean. Um, don't spoil the box entirely if you can't, you know, but like really have fun with it and whatever you like. Um, it can be me. It can be something about the box. Um, as you can tell from my boxes, they're not super, they're kind of just like create named what they are. But like, um, if you, if you want to make it something related to the box, you can. If you want to just pick a name and make it random and unrelated, that's fine. Um, yeah. It's really, it's your, at the end of the day, it's your art. So do what makes you happy. But I have to say here, um, uh, Jack, I don't know if you are in the stream and you're listening to us. Jack is the person in our social uh, media. And every time that we have a box, as all you guys know, uh, we have like, we try to say something that it might reveal something from the box, it might not. And sometimes the, the names do not even make sense or like it's so hard to find something and he struggles so much. And I am sitting with Jack and I'm like, okay, let's see how the box is solved in order to see what we can maybe uh, spoil a little bit on the title or let's uh, find something else. Or sometimes I cannot even understand what the box is about. So. Yeah, sometimes I have to say uh, the name of the boxes do not help a lot the marketing team, but we love you uh, more than you can imagine. But yeah, uh, kudos to Jack that uh, has to go through. I was before that, Azik also the one that branded to have a little bit of a, a thing to say for every release, but yeah. We, we always try to have something, so try to read it. It, it always means something. Maybe it's a life coach thing, maybe it's not. So, uh, which OS to choose for making boxes? So, um, that's really up to you. We can support, you know, we're getting, we, we supporting uh, Linux, BSD, um, Windows is all pretty 
understood it for us at this point. We're really good at that. Um, we've had our first Android box come out now, um, and that seems to have gone off pretty well. Um, so if you have an idea for something else you'd like to see or want to develop, feel free to reach out to us. Um, we will certainly, I mean, the my goal would be to get to yes. Um, at the end of the day, we're dealing with the technology we have. You know, um, we are running largely on ESXi. Um, we rely heavily on VMware tools. So if we can't, you know, not to, the, the strong preference would be to be able to put things something out that can handle, v, you know, run VMware tools. Mm -hmm. um, but like, if you've got something, I'd love, diversity would be awesome. The more cool stuff we can showcase, the better. Um, but, you know, if, if you've got an idea and you want to talk to us about it before you spend a lot of time, now I, I would not say waste time, but, you know, before you invest time in it, um, I'm, we're always happy to chat about it. So reach out. Nice. And how the team can chat with you? Through Discord, through email? What do you prefer? Um, you, can you can find Discord, email, Twitter, any of those are fine. Okay. So I think maybe it's time for us to do a little bit of a short break because we are going nonstop for 45 minutes now. Um, so... Uh, in order to get ready for the next questions, uh, I would like to say that everyone, please leave your questions in the comments here on YouTube or on the Discord channel that is about the MEA. And we're going to pick to reply some of them after the end of these questions uh, that were uh, pre-picked uh, from the survey that we had when we released uh, the announcement. And yeah, we will be right back in approximately two minutes. So cheers, guys. Bye, OxDF. And we will be right back.
and we are back so we are going to kickstart again i hope you enjoyed our little break and we're here back with david aka oxtf hello so let's jump again right back to the questions i uh, hope everyone has their drink their water their beer whatever and we can continue so uh, what do you do to ensure that aren't any unintended solutions on the boxes? So that's a great question. Um, I already talked a little bit about how I, th I don't think unintended solutions are necessarily bad, um, but I could, it can, it's a good opportunity to talk a little bit about um, the testing process. I mentioned that earlier. Um, we tend to, for a weekly machine box, we assign three testers to the box and they will go through and play the box to make sure it plays um, like the write-up says. They will make sure the box is stable. Um, for example, we get a lot, of, we get boxes where um, maybe when you were building it, you know, it worked great, but when we put it in the free labs where 200 people are playing it at the same time, it might fall over. So we wanna make sure that the process and th processes and things are robust to multiple players playing at the same time. Um, beyond that, we're going to um, certainly look for unintended solutions, all the obvious things um, that have bit, that bit us in the past, definitely those kind of shortcut things. Um, what we don't do necessarily is a full-on, like we don't necessarily have anyone go through a, a full-on black box test of each box. Um, mm -hmm. For one, that just would be incredibly resource intensive. We, we tend, right now we'll have three people working for close to a week on each box, um, depending on the difficulty just to do a non-black box test, to go full on black box. Um, it would just, it's too resource intensive. Um, and beyond that, just because I can solve it one way, just because I, even if I did go black box and solve it, I might not solve it away. There's people way smarter than me or people who will think differently than me who are gonna find a different solution than I would. So it doesn't even guarantee that we get rid of unintended solutions. Um, I know when I test, I do try to, um, look at the box without looking at the write-up, solve it forward a little bit. I just don't let myself get stuck like I used to when I would solve a box, you know, for when I, as a player. Um, mm -hmm. I, would, I wouldn't spend three hours stuck at the same point. I would go consult the write-up and try to figure out where they wanted me to go. Okay. Um, so I guess at the end of the day, we do do, you know, we do put a fair amount of effort into testing boxes, um, but we would, you know, we're certainly... Again, a lot of these people write full-on code bases, write you know, a whole new website that can have thousands of lines of code. We're not necessarily gonna be experts in that. Um, we will look for ways to exploit it, but um, as long as it's not hugely shortcutting the box, um, I, I don't necessarily consider it a bad thing either, so. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, to be honest, I totally understand. It's different to see the, though that it has an intended solution. It's different to see that it has an intended solution everywhere. So. It doesn't have a box. Yeah, I understand it for for sure. I was testing a box today, actually, where um, actually I didn't see it. Uh, the cyber geek caught it, but you know he jumped on, and the user was in the uh, LXD group, which we've seen in the past. You can go straight from there to root pretty easily. Um, so we we can catch and remove that kind of stuff pretty quickly. Okay. Um, but like a complicated alternative way of of owning a you know owning a custom application, um, we might not catch that. We we'll do our best. We might. So, uh, a user says, I just want to know why we don't have macOS machines. <laughs> so, we would love to have macOS machines, and I'm not the expert on this one. Um, I believe we are working on it. 
um, it's hard. Apple makes it very hard to virtualize things. Um, mm -hmm. You can't you can't just download a Mac OS ISO from the internet and build a um, VM out of it in a legal way um, with, with all their licensing requirements. And we are a you know actual business here, and we have to you know we have to follow licensing requirements and things like that. So yeah. um, just because you could make a Mac OS um, VM, you know. Anyway, we are looking into how to do that, and we're still trying to figure it out. Um, we have to do it in a way that both is legal and within price constraints. So um, it's certainly looking into, I would love to get it there. Um, I don't have much. We'd have to talk to the infrastructure team and the innovation team about how close we are to it. But um, there are that would be really cool. If someone from Apple listens, if they can help and contribute, we would appreciate it. Um, and. How are the flag file contents created when a box is spawned for every user and synchronized with the HTTP platform for submission? I wanted to make a box for HTTP, and that was the point I got stuck. Okay, good news for you. Uh, you, you are now unstuck. Um, don't worry about it. Um, if you can just put uh, an MD5 hash into each of the user.txt and root.txt, you are done. We'll handle the rest. Um, I, I, it's not my place to get into how infrastructure does it, but we have some special sauce going off in our platform that handles uh, on small and go ahead and replace the flags and synchronize the database and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's the last test we do before we put something on the un, unreleased board is to make sure that it works with the flag, the VM works with the flag rotation system. Um, there are cases where we have boxes that can't work with flag rotation. We prefer that every box does, um, but if, you know, if for some reason we can't make it work, that's not necessarily a deal breaker for going live. Um, yeah. But we will also try. We will also work with you to try to see if you know if we can we make these changes. Um, a good example is Laps. Um, you know, Windows has this cool technology called Laps, which changes the administrator password to kind of a random thing that you can then collect through Active Directory. Um, that's awesome, and that's a cool technology. And there's ways to attack it, and we wanted to showcase that. Um, so what we do is actually put the root, make a second administrator user. Um, put root.txt on their desktop. And then when you get to the real admin user, you have access to that second administrator as well, and you can just get it off the other desktop. Um, so that was kind of a creative solution to make it work on our platform. Um, if we can find ways to do that, we certainly will. Um, we've also done things like, for example, if you want to have the user flag in a Docker container, um, cool, we can just mount the home directory that has that flag into the container. And then when our flag rotation system changes it on the core OS, it gets put into the mm -hmm. container, all is good. Um, we can come up with solutions for pretty much anything. Um, so don't- We're problem solvers. We can, so, we can solve everything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I, I like which, yes, I think the user will start with the flag rotation, how to create it, uh, him or herself. But yeah, it's something that we take care of. Oh, I remember the days that the, there was no flag rotation. Like it is, it's to be the old days, like, it can be like how it is um, before something and after something. That can be for Hack the Box a turning point, I believe, the flag rotation. And help also with the community um, uh, issues we have with people uh, sharing flags and things like that. And uh, yeah, that's very nice. So kudos to the infra team, if anyone listens. Um, and that now that we're discussing in general we have fallen guys in the infra category questions uh because amazing david helped to create the uh to divide the questions with infra about box creation in general so now we're in the infra category 
So, what mitigations are put in place to help make sure that users are not accidentally or purposely uh, being malicious, like attempting a DDoS attack on making a piggy bank of um, others' progress? Uh, what is in there? Uh, so, okay, that, that's a good question. Um, and there certainly are mitigations in place. Um, I'm actually, I'm not going to go into details about exactly what kind of mitigations are put in place because it's probably better it's, it's probably better for everybody if we don't not everybody knows exactly yeah. what's going on um but I it's will nice say to have some mystery you don't have to know everything uh, there certainly are mitigations put in place um but I, I would also say as a player um it's not i i've never seen anyone trying to hack me come back and hack my vm when i sit on the hack the box network a and yet i would also say it's it's worth your time to be careful when you're there um you know, if you watch IPsec videos, every time he goes to create a little Python 3 web server that he's going to use, he creates a www directory and moves into it so that all of his notes and other stuff are not exposed on there. Um, you know, that's it's taking little steps like that is actually really smart. Um, and just to be, you know, you are on kind of a hostile network with a bunch of people who are trying to hack things. So um, whether intentionally or unintentionally, something could come through to you. Um, I, you know, if we do find you um, DDoSing players, um, you know, uh, deleting flags, changing things to make it so that people can't continue. Um, that is a good way to get kicked off the platform. Um, and we really, it's, I mean, it's kind of just a jerky thing to do. Um, mm -hmm. But in general, I've not had too much experience with that. Um, there's a little, they do mention piggy, piggybacking off others' progress. Um, yeah. It's a good, you know, it's a good chance to remind people if, when, you, when you are working on a public lab, you know, it is really a kind thing to do to clean up, clean up after yourself when you're done and not leave a bunch of, leave your exploit laying around for the next person to stumble upon. It joins um, the fun for the rest. If we're all here to learn and figure it out, like, um, you know, you're just kind of like stealing that from somebody. So, you know, obviously yeah. sometimes you have to put files on disk and that's, that's part of solving the box. But when you're and done. Also, yeah. And also, guys, don't forget that. Uh, okay, you might not have a VAP or a VAP plus, but if you do CTF on Discord, on social, we always give out everything. Uh, but uh, all the boxes that are uh, released uh, the first week uh, for a few days, they're in the release arena that you play completely by yourself. So that means no one is picking back on anyone and you can have the luxury to be in your own server. So guys, don't forget that. Uh, to always try to solve those boxes, first of all, because when the boxes just gets released, it gives you the point. When it gets tried, the points get removed and your rank is increased. Uh, and also you can play by yourself in the release arena and uh, not annoyed by anyone. <laughs> so, and next, uh, what virtualization technology is used to create a box? So, you as a author creating a box can use um, pretty much anything. Well, I won't say anything. Um, you know, you can use VMware, VirtualBox, both work really well. Um, I think I've heard of people using QEMU. Um, we run off of ES ESXi, as I mentioned before. Um, so we need to be able to import it there. Um, we need to be able to install VMware tools, et cetera. Um, so I think at the end of the day, you know, the easiest thing I would recommend is, you know, I use VirtualBox. If you've got access to VMware, a lot of people like that. Um, either of those can generate, you know, a disk image that we can easily import ourselves and run. Um, you know, I'll throw out a couple. I'll make this. I'll, I'll I'll use this as a chance to talk about something else a little bit. I think related. Um, 
you know, at the end of the day, we're trying to, you're trying to make boxes that um, show off technologies, right? And so beyond just the technology of the virtualization, um, you know, if you want to make some, cloud is really hot right now. And obviously our machines don't talk to the internet. You can't actually be in the cloud from a Hackbox machine today. Um, but, you know, there's this thing called local stack that basically kind of runs an AWS instance in on your local machine. And so if you want to make a cloud machine, you can go explore local stack. Um, or if you want to simulate having two or three machines, right? You go get Docker. And, and if you don't know Docker, go learn Docker because it's a super cool skill to have. <laughs> um, and then, you know, you can have two or three little mini machines floating around. And, you know, that's another technology where you can sort of build a realistic feeling thing all in one VM. Um, and so you have, this is where you kind of get to make some compromises to make it still feel real. Okay. Makes sense. I like that you said, just learn Docker. Just learn. <laughs> yes, of course. Of course. In mean, the same way, I just learned PHP. It, it might take you months, but you know, <laughs> you'll appreciate it later. <laughs> okay. So I was thinking of making a multi-network uh, machine using only Docker. Any tips? Um, yeah, just, just learn Docker, right? No. Um, <laughs> uh, I will say I'm not a Docker expert by any means. Um, I've learned a bunch more about it since starting working for Hack the Box, and I've forced myself to learn it to do a few uh, challenges, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I, no, I mean, there's no reason you can't. Um, I would say if you're going to if you're going to make, depending on how big, you know, you say multi-network there, um, if you're going to make a, a huge thing, maybe you want to come talk to us about it, should it actually be like a pro lab? Um, but, you know, um, some of my favorite boxes are ones where you get to pivot around. Um, I'll never I'll never forget solving Reddish. Um, that box had like seven hops all inside the same box, and it was, it was a nightmare, and I was miserable the whole time, and then I solved it, and it was just like the greatest. I was just, I thought it was I so know. cool. I was in love with it. Um, Felt kind of like like running a marathon, like you're you're it's pain until you're done, and then you realize how much you liked it. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, watch for things like um, the fact that a lot of times the when your Docker things will spin up, they may change their IPs and things like that. Um, but and so don't make your technologies rely on that. But there's nothing. Yeah, otherwise go forth. You know, do cool things. Now that you mentioned also Redis, um, I met uh, again the author. Uh, the first time that I met you in town in uh, at Rome, I was like, "You? It's you? You created this book?" <laughs> but yeah, it's what you said as a marathon runner. Also, like at the end of when you go through all of these things, it's like the best feeling ever in the world. So I get your point. So I think. Uh, Submitting machines are a lot, but why not create a repo on HTTP GitHub with a Packer, background, Ansible common templates, and common scripts to build machines? Why don't we do that? I mean, the short answer is we really value um, the boxes having a really diverse look. And that's not to say we don't get a ton of Ubuntu now 2004, you know, before that 1604. You know, we get a lot of Ubuntu, um, but you know, because everybody makes their own box from scratch, everything looks slightly different and every box will be slightly different. And I think if we had a cookie cutter setup, um, it would be almost too easy for people to jump on and see what's different. What changed from the, you know, quickly run a diff versus the standard HTB files and figure out every file that's different. And it would remove some of the, you know, interesting um, enumeration and, you know, 
it, and realism, um, you know, because not if you're a pen tester out there, you're not going to run into this exact same machine over and over again. You're probably going to run into the same OSs over and over again. But you, you know, even them, they're going to be slightly different. They're going to have different people who put built them, put them together. And um, so by it does create a little bit more work for you, the creator, to have to make your own machine from scratch. But it does you're going to do it slightly differently than I do it. And by doing that, it's going to look slightly differently. It's going to feel slightly different, and it's going to add to the realism. That's so interesting what you say. Yeah. So because it's the human changing is something that is the same for everyone, and that creates a variety. <laughs> Very nice. And last but not least, from the pre-submitted questions, and then we will go to your questions on YouTube chat and from Discord. So. Uh, does making HTB machines require skills in the software development side of things? Um, <clears throat> Jack, we're Docker. Just so, like this. <laughs> I mean, yes and no. Um, it depends on what you're putting together, right? Um, if you have an idea for a really, for an easy box that maybe didn't, was just built on sort of pre, you know, pre-existing open source technologies and you put them all together and the story fit and you didn't have to do a lot of, you know, you could make the blog within a public CMS, you know, you could do it with very little, um, very little like actual software development. Um, if you're going to build your own custom thing, you know, I, I'm not. I don't need to say the same examples I've given several times. But you know, for me, I use it as a chance to learn those skills that I don't have. Um, and again, not that I'm going to go get a job as a PHP web developer now, but but I understand Flask a heck of a lot better today than I did before I wrote Script Kitty, um, and that's because I actually built a tool, a box. I built a small website in Flask, and so. Um, I mean, the answer is, do you need it? No. Will it come in handy? Yes. Is it a good excuse to learn some of this stuff? Definitely. Um, but you could pull it, the, you could certainly pull off submitting a box without it. Um, again, it's going to come down to making it, what, what do you need to put in there to give it that real feel and that story that makes sense? Okay. So I think we are done. And then maybe we are ready to hit on the YouTube chat questions and the Discord questions. Yeah. Let's go first. Okay, so we have from Hexhager. And first of all, I want to thank you very much for everything you've done for the community. I've learned so much from your blog and your type machines. And in particular, one of your items a few years ago, Canapé. I remember also what we read, Get Off Your Couch, Canapé is going to be released. Uh, was really beneficial for being able to see theory, POC, to exploitation. With that, how much time would you say you devote per week outside work to stay related with the community, with everything that is around? Um, that's interesting. So now, now it kind of is work um, since I work for Hack the Box. Um, but um, I've always, you know, even in my previous jobs, I always tried to encourage people things like staying current and managing like what's going on. I guess there's a couple of things, managing what's going on in the world, like following what exploits are out there, um, what's what's trending, et cetera, like that. Um, I always convinced when people worked in, in an organization I had some influence over, I always made sure that that was considered part of work, that people were, you know, that we expect you to go out and be following this kind of stuff. We expect, you know, and, and you should do that not in your free time, but on the time that you're getting paid to work because it's important. We want our employees to have that kind of space. Nice. Um, when it comes to like how much time do I spend like solving boxes and writing a blog, um, more than I'm proud to admit. Um, I, I just, but I, I'm one of those sick people who I would do tech, I would do technology stuff all day long and come home and want to just keep doing it more. Um, or as as I advanced in my career, I found myself um, spending my day in meetings and coming home itching to actually touch a keyboard and 
um, do some hacking and, and blogging. And I mean, the blog is kind of a labor of love for me at this point. Um, I love, you know, I learned how to do testing in Python because I wrote tests now that every, you know, that it won't, it won't publish the blog if the spell checker, um, fails on it first. Um, is that necessary? No, but I like, again, I use it to do, learn cool things I didn't know how to do before. So, um, it, it's, that's what I like to do with my free time. I don't watch that much TV. Instead, I just come and tinker with my blog and hack on things. So. Okay. So I think also that answers the question that is it tough to, to have like a balance between work, hobbies, life, family balance. And thanks again for all you do. Uh, Hex Hager, really, really appreciate your work. Thank you to um, Hex Yeah. I mean, I work-life balance is important um, for sure. Um, it's very important. I mean, I've got a wife and two kids. Um, they're very important to me. I, you know, so I certainly spend a lot of time with them. Um, it, it, you got to figure out how to balance it and try to find sleep is important too. Don't forget to sleep. Um, so. Well, how do you say sleep? You, you send the times that is early for us even, I don't know. And you live in the other uh, place of the world. I don't know how you manage that. I go to bed uh, early. Yeah, but I, I believe it for Greece, because we are uh, eight, now we are at the Hack the Box offices in Greece. Here, it's different what we mean morning than what US or UK or other people mean morning. <laughs> um, yes. So let's check another question that has not been asked. How can I make a box when I have never made one before? Um. Just, just do it. Um, at the end of that, nice. so a lot of what I've talked about already, but you know, collect ideas. Um, think about what you want your box to look like. Um, think about the the user. You know, what makes sense for a user that would fit into this, fit into these vulnerabilities, um, and then give it a shot. And you know, again, submit it to us. And if if we will give you, we will. We are trying really hard. Um, I'm not saying we've done great at this in the past, but over the last, especially the last six months. Um, We've tried really hard to make sure to give people feedback. Anytime, you know, if we're going to give you a rejection, you know, it's going to come with here are the things we didn't like. Here's what we think could be better, stuff like that. Um, you know, and don't let that deter you. Like that's not meant to be a you suck. We never want to hear from you again. Um, nothing makes me more excited than when we, like, when a box just isn't a good fit and we send back why, and then a month later we get a resubmission of the same box and it looks awesome. Like. That, that to me is like cool. And, and because again, it's not just like, we're not like just hating on it because we want to hate on it, but like we have a pretty good feel for what the community likes to play at this point. And we want to put, we want to help you put out there something that everyone's going to love. And we want, you know, we, I, we take a lot of pride when we look on the site and we see like four and 4.5, you know, 4.8 style ratings, because like, even though you did the actual hard work of making the box, like, like we, we all like that's that's what we want to strive for. So like we want to help you. It, it's meant to be a helpful feedback, not a uh, criticism. Mm -hmm. And um, give it a shot. I, give it a shot. It, even if it, even if you know if it's your first one, there's a decent chance it might get rejected, and that's okay. Just you'll learn something. Um, you can keep trying to make it better, or you can walk away and say, "Well, I still learned something." And it, it's really, it, it should be viewed as a process that you value that will get you value all along the way. With my advice. Nice. And Makiba uh, is asking, has anyone tried to explode you via a box they submitted or maybe any other way from the community? We, that is certainly something we scan for when we start. 
when we first bring a box in, um, I'm not going to, I don't want to go into instances of whether that has happened or not. Um, it's certainly um, not a good way to keep us, uh, keep your standing on the platform in good, uh, in a good place. Um, so we appreciate if you don't do that, but um, it is something we keep an eye out for. I'll say that. Nice. Um, actually, has a suggestion. If you're not sure about what OS to for for us to create, just let's have more Windows boxes. He says. I, and right back at you. Please make more Windows boxes. Um, <laughs> we would love to get more Windows boxes. Um, and a lot of times they get to jump ahead in the queue because we do try to keep Windows boxes on the platform, and so the wait can be less. So if you've got ideas for Windows, you know, please please make them. Okay. And let's go to the next questions. Uh, oh, it's about uh, how to uh, figure out their ton zero IP, but it's unshared. Uh, no, I think we are pretty much covered in everything. Um, so I think that's it. Um, guys, I don't know if you have any last questions. Uh, I'm going to announce our winners uh, from it is uh, Clarke, Alex Griffin, uh, Hunty, and Elvis Kipper. Um, we will DM you uh, in Discord. Uh, thank you for submitting a very interesting questions. Uh, so always, please, guys, submit your uh, questions. Make, stay tuned to listen to our next MEAs. Leave comments what our next MEAs should be. Um, or what you'd like to see. If you want to see more about the XDF, um, we have actually a talk in our YouTube channel with your phishing documents, 45 minutes of only phishing documents, which is amazing, uh, an amazing talk, kudos. And uh, yeah, I think that's all from us. Um, good night or good afternoon or good morning, whatever you are, guys. Thank you very much for everything. Bye from me. Thank you. Bye, guys. Ah, and also before we leave, I want to make sure, don't forget to join our UNICDF is now have, we have started accepting um, people. It is happening on November 19th. We have the talks on November 18th. Amazing tech talks. And um, yeah, thank you very much, guys. Bye. And that's all for today's AMA. Join our Discord at discord.gg slash hackthebox. Check us out on Instagram and Twitter at hackthebox and see you next episode.